1: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
0: From Postcard from the Past and Wardour Studios, this is Podcast from the past, the Postcard Podcast. This is the podcast where I never know whether postcards will send me. As we interrogate those frequently beautiful little cardboard oblongs to try to understand the memories, meanings, and stories held by Picture Postcards. I'm Tom Jackson, and today I'm delighted to say that my guests are no strangers to the podcast world. They are actors and hugely successful podcasters, Kerry Shale and Lucas Hare. Luke and Kerry, welcome to the podcast from the past.
1: Thank Thank you very much. Yes, we always talk at exactly the same time. (laughs) (laughs) That's the secret.
0: (laughs) That's why I do this show on my own. (laughs) Now, Lucas Hare has been an actor since the mid-1990s. You might have seen him in the theatre, in The Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime*, or The Permanent Way. You may have seen him on your television in The Crown, um, the, how they managed to turn the uneventful life of the royal family into a drama, I don't know. And <laughs> since 2018, Luke has been co-presenting the brilliant podcast, Is It Rolling, Bob? Talking Dylan, uh, with fellow guest today, Kerry Shale. Yes. Uh, now, Lucas, you come to the studio today with a
2: pl 27 postmark was that yes um well you asked me for a postcode that I, I couldn't shake and and that is a place in North Cornwall uh, in Polzeth and my family have had a house there since the 40s oh, really? And yeah and I've been going there my whole life pretty much every summer not quite but but certainly my whole life and it was if I have a spiritual home it's there um and it's still in the family so you. Can it's still in it? the family but my grandmother bought it in the in the forties, and the, it was just her and four kids, and we're we're two generations on from that now. So it's being divided, you know. <laughs> <laughs> the calendar year gets shorter, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, two weeks in August became five days in October, half term, and things like that. But no, it's it's really lovely, and the only thing that's kind of sullied for me over the years is that what was this wonderfully childlike, innocent, spiritual home place is now where David Cameron goes on holiday. So I try oh, not to really, think about that. It's yeah. been really close. Well, uh, there was a. There was a thing, a local thing about putting a phone mast up in this tiny village because there's no mobile phone signal down there, and I think he was on the phone to Barack Obama once and was slightly (laughs) cross that he couldn't hear him properly, so campaigned for a mobile phone mast, and that's... He clearly doesn't listen to this this podcast because he should have sent a postcard. Yes. That would have
0: been the perfect way from that part of the world.
2: I'm sure he doesn't listen to this podcast anyway, so (laughs) we're safe.
0: Well, that sounds very good to me. I I, I like the sound of that. Now, Kerry Shale Mm. uh, is an actor and writer whose credits are, frankly, too many and too prestigious to list fully here. But um, you'll have seen him in the theatre, perhaps, in Frost Nixon um, or His Girl Friday at the National uh, or in True West or Henry V or one of his six, six, count them, self-written solo shows. Uh, On television, you might have seen him in uh, Patrick Melrose, Mr. Selfridge, Doctor Who, The Trip. And he's been in films, too. Um, But Kerry actually spends a lot of time in rooms not unlike this. Um, And not just doing his podcast, because he is frequently in radio plays and readings. And he's a very uh, often heard voice on the BBC. Um, And his latest original radio play, The Kubrick Test, I think it's called, um, will be heard on radio for, I think soon after this podcast goes out. But obviously, you might be listening five years hence, and yes. then you've missed it. <laughs> You'll have to go back to the BBC Sounds app or whatever it is. Um, now, Kerry, when did you last send a postcard?
1: Ooh. I used to send postcards all the time whenever I went anywhere. Uh, but the uh, you know the modern age took me over. So I think I, I probably stopped sending them about... Oh, I don't know, seven or eight years ago, I, uh, much as I love them, and I love sending them and receiving them. So I think I was in New York seven or eight years ago. I love sending them from New York because they have lots of stupid, cheap, tacky postcards. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's probably the last time I sent one.
0: I, I didn't ask you, Luke. How about you? When did you send a postcard? Um, I'm
2: trying to think about this. I think I can't remember sending a postcard after about 1997, which is also the year I got a mobile phone. So uh, well, uh, <laughs> well that's that, that may work. not be a coincidence. Yeah, yeah. I think, because I remember sending a a postcard from New York, actually, to my then girlfriend, now wife, and I got her address completely wrong and guessed the postcode. But But it still got to her. Ah, very good. With no accurate information there at all. She'd shake the postman by the hand. Yeah, (laughs) and that was 97, so
0: about right. Very good. And Kerry, what about a postmark stamped on you? Where would that be?
1: It would have to be whatever the postmark is for Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. I know that my parents still live there, and their uh, code is R3N something is that, something something. How do you get R3? Is there? I, a... I have no idea. It's you know some just bureaucrat a code, in the post me. office somewhere. Uh, Manitoba is MB, uh, but but that's basically what's stamped on me because uh, you know I grew up there. I lived left there basically as soon as I could. Uh, I was just turned eighteen and. Uh, and left. I couldn't take At the winters. 18. Yeah, But there's still yeah, a lot of Winnipeg in you, do you think, if you, uh, the, if oh you yes, can't escape that? there is. And it's so funny, because I've left so long ago. I was talking to my parents the other day, face, FaceTiming my parents the other day, and they were saying, you wouldn't believe how cold it is. Uh, <laughs> and this was the middle of January. I said, well, I would, you know, I, yeah. I would definitely believe it. They said, no, you wouldn't believe it. You you wouldn't believe it. It's But would twi- you, you expect them to be used to this by now? Well, yeah, <laughs> but we have this conversation every winter. Right. Uh, And I said, I grew up there. (laughs) They said, no, 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 it's 25 below. It's 25 below. I said, I I know. I I grew up there. It was always 25 below. Anyway... That's what it was last week in Winnipeg. And listen, wow. it was 40 below when I was a kid. I mean, yeah. 25 below is... is okay, so this
0: isn't some balmy day. climate catastrophe. It's just No, no, no. This is winter. nothing
1: to do, no. Uh, in fact, it's scary when it's not 25 below because sometimes they'll say it's it's only, you know, five below and, and you'll go global warming. Right. Yeah. So if you live in
0: somewhere with relatively extreme weather, do you still talk about the weather all the time? Is that well, apparently, is a human
1: thing, not a British I, thing? I guess so. Certainly my parents. <laughs> Parents do, uh, yeah. I guess you can't. I mean, there's something I think intrinsic when when you really are in deep, deep cold. Where when I was a kid, it was before they'd invented, um, you know, fluffy uh, anoraks with oh, feathers in yeah, them. Yeah. You just had to wear many, many, many layers. And like Scott of the Antarctic. Yes, that, exactly. Yeah totally like that Uh, because the wind chill comes down from siberia so with the wind chills like 65 below i mean it's it's insane and of course it was wonderful being in the in the 50s they'd send you off to school in a blizzard (laughs) wearing 14 layers of clothing and so yes you would have to say "By george it's cold (laughs) definitely is cold you you really would have to remark on that yeah
0: very good. Well, it's relatively mild here today, I'm pleased to say. Mm-hmm. Um, well, before we discover the cards, and there's a few cards, actually, that Luke and Kerry have brought along, um, I'll give you a quick one of mine. Um, this is a past postcard card, like I do on the Twitter and in the book and so on, um, where I've taken an old card and uh, just a few lines from the back. Um, so here's a card, the first one. This is... Um, I think it's Hookham. Is that pronounced in Norfolk? Yes, H- Hookham. I think. Is it Hookham? I think it's Hookham. Oh gosh, but it's a, a, it's a it's a multi-view, uh, so five different images, and they've sort of made the central image tall and thin because it's got a, a sort of some kind of um, column I in it. You used to see
2: that from the road, the I mean, Cook you, Monument. You drive p- drive past it on the way up to Norfolk all the time. Yeah, yeah,
0: um, and I think that's Cook, who was an agricultural uh, innovator. I think anyway. What do I know? 1977. And it was sent to Clacton-on-Sea by someone called Philip, who gave the uh, recipient four kisses. And the, the message that intrigued was just a snapshot, really. On the beach, and quite near us, was an old lady. On the way back, an officer made conversation with the chauffeur, and he said it was the Queen Mother. Well, I guess <laughs> probably from Sandringham, not that far from there. Yeah, it is. Sandringham's quite near there, yeah. So uh, I suppose not, I'll talk about the Royals at the moment and uh, a sort of snapshot from a different age, really. And people looked out and saw the Queen Mother on the beach.
2: It's local newspaper worthy, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, maybe that's it. This is a dispatch on the back of a <laughs> postcard. Uh, one more like that. This is a little bit earlier, I think. This is another multi view Bognor Regis in black and white. Um, five views. Central image is the West Sands and Pier. And this is, well, it's certainly pre decimal. Can't see the data, I'm afraid. Um, it's sent to Farnborough in Hampshire um, by a family with a series of initials. And it's quite a nice card, actually. The message... Um, it's a little story, really, isn't it? We came home and flew Deborah's kite in the field. The string broke, and Mick had to negotiate a ditch, barbed wire thorn bushes and a troop of angry bullocks to retrieve it. So there you are. It's like an episode yes, of uh, Some Mothers
2: Do Have Them. Yeah,
1: with will just sort of pull the Have party the lyrics. It'll and... <laughs> a flavour to it. <laughs> well, how, how, how do you get Desmond? that?
2: Well, you know, that's yes, Desmond exactly. and Molly and all that sort oh, of stuff. It just sounds very, very specific with the names. <laughs> it does. <laughs> it's like a well, rejected it's their family. They're going to be specific. Of course, of course, of course.
0: <laughs> <laughs> They're very good. Anyway, um, just to let you know at home, images of all these cards are going to be on the website, on the blog, postcardfromthepast.co.uk, so you can see for yourself we're not making this up. Now, Luke and Kerry, you've been kind enough to come to uh, this new super studio we're using today with some postcards of your own. Um, now, I think we're going to look at uh, them in some batches, because we've come with, uh, so heavily loaded, which is great. Um, Luke, what's the first
2: little batch of postcards you've got for yeah, us? I've got, it's a batch of two, and it's part of a lot more than that, and it's it's sort of cheating. I went interrailing, railing, uh, which I think the kids today still do, uh, when I was about 19, and um, and I went with a friend called Ben, who I'm still in touch with, and we failed to go to more than one country. Because oh. <laughs> you perhaps just bought a ticket to that country. Yeah, well, we agreed early on that it would be nice to do, to do Italy no, uh, properly, which we failed to do as well. We stayed, I think, for, for half the time in Florence because we couldn't really leave, just we liked it so much. But I would write home and... I suppose today this would be a block because it's just a sort of stream oh, yeah. of consciousness. I'd write six or seven postcards at a time and then stick them in an envelope. And they would all be fairly dull and by the time they arrived almost certainly out of date and irrelevant. Um, so these were sent home to your family? Yeah, to my mum and my brothers. Um, and the, the one, this is from uh, Venice, the 25th of August, 1991, 12.30pm. It's important uh, to get those details. Yeah, right. <laughs> Honestly, as if I thought it was important. And it's now, it's the, it says, it is now pointless to put any of these cards or letters in the post, as I will be able to give them in by hand in about two and a half days. I just thought, you know, it's so strange because every every sentiment that you would normally express in a postcard, I now do in text messages. Yes. But, but that sounds like an obvious thing to say, but there's something about ephemera, there's something about a text message... To me, I always think a text message is, is more ephemeral and a little bit more trivial than an email, which is a bit more official and important. It's and... The hierarchy
1: of communication. <laughs> don't get him started on emojis. No, don't. Do get not him mention <laughs> emojis. No. Do, so, where does a postcard emojis. fit into this into this structure? You know,
2: I don't know because some of them I have are very brief and very text messagey like, but this is more like a blog, um, and yet. The thing about postcards is that as you're writing them, you know that they're going to take a good three to five days to arrive. Yeah. And you're sort of undercut... Your sense of, of topicality and importance is undercut as you're writing because you know that by the time it arrives, this will have happened. It will not be particularly interesting. Um, and you're but, sort of but, doing it anyway. But do you think that, that sense of
0: having to be topical it actually didn't cross your mind then? And that actually that's, that's the modern thought. There's no point in me saying, have you noticed that... Obama has been elected president because yes. the person you've texted it to has already been watching CNN or something. Yeah. So
2: there's that sense of everything having to be urgent. Maybe that was a slower time. Maybe, except that I am very aware. I'm saying things like, you know, by the time you receive this, um, I will be home. But maybe that's because you wrote the postcards at the
0: end of your trip. Yeah, Like, maybe. Like maybe. a typically sort of bad correspondent. Exactly.
1: But, but I'm interested in the fact that you're actually trying to communicate I- ideas because whenever I would write postcards, it was just, for, for me, it was just you know, some f- something funny. Mm. It was something funny and and quick and big writing and no time. Mm. Whereas your writing is very small and there's a lot of stuff on there. Yeah, it makes it so sound like one of those. It's a completely different seven. way of using postcards. Than- but
0: I think when you're whatever it is, 1918 18, 19, you're sitting outside in a cafe in Florence. Yeah. You want to be seen to be writing something and something quite important and wordy. Yeah. Because it makes you feel important. You suddenly think you're. You're a great, you know, a great literary figure. You've travelled to Europe in that way people do. You
1: are Henry yeah. James. Yeah, so yeah I ba- am basically I... you're
0: Henry James. Even <laughs> though you're writing
2: a I am what, what Jamesian <laughs> gems are there you can share with well, us. Well I'm writing as if nobody's ever travelled before. I mean, honestly, when I when I was nineteen I knew everything, which was so Oh, yes. Tedious. You were so much older then. Oh, of yeah. course. Um, but it says, it says, of course, I can now say all sorts of useful Italian phrases. For example, I am waiting for my friend. I have a bad cough. A large bottle of fizzy mineral water, please. Um, and then it says... What really matters is that I can now return to England actually knowing that I miss it when I'm away. Oh. I can return refreshed, fulfilled, slightly sunburnt, slightly bruised, slightly fitter, smellier, more hungry, and longing for a familiar environment, my own bed, my own room, my own surroundings, and not having to catch endless trains to the other side of the country with my life strapped onto my back. Wow. And I I don't know, I've. it's interesting that... that I've, I'm saying at 19 that I had to leave the country to feel nostalgic or, or homesick because I've always been slightly embarrassed about my country, <laughs> um, now more so than ever. And I think it had occurred to me then that, that you have to go out and get some context in order to really value the place that you come from. Um, I think these are quite profound thoughts, actually. I'm impressed. Yeah, so am I now. <laughs> <I'm sort of laughs> Do you, you, you recognise so, this chap? Only his self-importance. Only... <laughs> you know? No, and there's one thing. We also failed to get to a lot of bits of Italy, which was, again, I mean, ridiculous. You got a month to see a country, and you fail to get to half of it. But we wanted to go to Sicily, and it said, "I hope that one day we will be able to just get on a plane to Palermo and see the bits we missed." And I have been to Palermo since, and I'm very, very happy to say that I did do that, and it's a wonderful place. But I think that I think
0: I think you got it wrong, these I think. As soon as you go somewhere like Florence, you're stuck there. It's too lovely. Well, that's what Yeah, no, You're not going to yeah. bother going anywhere else, because anyway. your brain can't take it anymore. You're just, yeah. you know, the, the joys are... Well, I, I, think... I remember interrailing and ending up in Florence and, and finding it very, very hard to leave. Yeah, we would have two weeks. Yeah,
1: I'm different. always stunned when people come to places for only two days. It, it's the American way of, of doing things. It seems to me like people come to London. <laughs> And Only stay for two days. Yeah. Oh yeah, we did London. Well, it's the way we did do, Paris. isn't it?
2: You, you did. You don't see a city. You did a city. Yeah, yeah.
1: that's just ridiculous. Yes. Yeah, I'd love to do the same thing. Just go to uh, basically with my wife. Uh, we go to places for two weeks and, you know, just walk around and.
0: Yeah, well, getting lost is it takes it takes time, and that's the good bit. Yeah, you know? yeah. I, I do. I look at a lot of postcards, and I do see them where people are on um, cruises. So they've been on a Mediterranean cruise or something, and they talk about you know we 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 didn't like Malta. We decided we did like Cyprus, and it's very much we've done this, done that, didn't like that, and it's or didn't went to Morocco, didn't like it because I think it's that you know they they're there for three hours, yeah. and if they get hassled in the street for five minutes, the whole experience is gone, and the, a whole country and a whole culture can be written off in like that, mm. but. But then again, if you only have time to do that, then you, I certainly couldn't sneer at it. I mean, it'd be lovely to have time to go everywhere. But people don't. So, very good. Well, thank you for sharing your, your teenage trip to Florence and not far beyond. Um, Kerry, what's the first card you've got for us?
1: Well, it's a picture. Yes, it is a picture of me and my wife, Suzanne, um, painted by uh, our mutual friend, Rufus uh, Gerard Wright, to use his painterly name. Uh, Rufus <laughs> Wright, is, he's an actor. And, and we were in Frost Nixon together. And okay. We shared a dressing room. And, uh, and I knew he was a painter, and I saw some of his paintings, and I, I'd always wanted to, you know, have somebody paint me. Yeah, and yeah. so I commissioned her to paint Suzanne and I from, from, a, from a selfie, from, from this. And I said, the, there's one proviso, which is uh, make Suzanne look good. I don't care what you, you do, because it was for Valentine's Day. It was a, oh, it was a surprise. Well, that must so, take a bit of planning. Uh, yes, it yeah, did. Good work. It did, and you know, so this was uh, what I have in front of me is is the postcard of the actual painting, and then there's this quote on top. "You're the strangest person I ever met," she <laughs> said, and I said, "You too," and we decided we knew each other a long time. Uh, that's from a piece of art that we saw in Portland, Oregon, when we were traveling okay. together, and we we went to this art gallery just before we got on the plane, and then we saw this thing and thought it was beautiful and. Um, uh, we said well, we must buy this, and then we had to card at home. And anyway, so then I said, Rufus, can you please put this on the postcard? The layers of meaning. Yeah, and it's just it's just a nice thing. And Rufus, it's all... got a
0: kind of a slightly sort of Gilbert and George look. Those things he does with <laughs> photographs and. Yes, it does. And I don't mean the pair no, of no, you. No, no, the
1: artistic <laughs> No, the thing that he yes,
0: exactly. I mean the graphic style.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I I agree. But I'm very fond of it. And um, in fact, uh, when I told Suzanne I was coming on this thing, she said, "Oh, are you going to bring the well, postcard uh, of us?" Obligatory, obligatory. Yeah.
0: And I think that's only the second time that in this or the other studio any studio would be doing the show that someone has brought in a picture of themselves on a postcard the other one was uh, haircut 100s Nick Haywood and I brought the card in to show him oh, really? so so you're in very very esteemed company there um, well thanks for that but now let's go back 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 to your early days in London and you've got some cards that you've kept from your sort of Bedsit archive.
1: That's right. Yeah. Um, so I lived in a bedsit. I got here in seventy eight, and I stayed in a little room in the house uh, of a mad actress uh, in Clapham South. Very nice. Very and, nice. And uh, not particularly. And then,
0: <laughs> then I moved. I was so thrilled to. No, get... I'm all for keeping the South London house prices up. So very <laughs> nice. Very nice.
1: That particular house was just a little too crazy. Um, and then I got my own bed set, and I'd, I'd heard about things. like They don't have the word bed set in Canada. They don't okay. have the concept of bed set. And I knew there was a play called The Bed-Sitting Room, and I didn't even know what a bed set <laughs> was, but then somebody, a friend of mine said, oh, I know of this bed set, and I was desperate to get out of the, the crazy place in, in South London. So I got this bed set, which was on Gloucester Place, which yeah, was nice. fabulous because it, well, it was just a, a street away from Baker Street, which was the big uh, hit that summer uh, in 78 when I first came oh, here. God, this is a long time ago, yes. Yeah, yeah, a long time ago. And so this was in seventy nine. So uh, so I had this bed sit and it was uh, it was ideally located but very grotty. I mean you know, it was a proper bedsit. I had to uh, put coins in the fire, and right. uh, you know, this was in the seventies, and I didn't have a phone, and uh, I had a little gas ring, and I was wow. thrilled. You know, it was. I was. Thrilled. But you had freedom. You know, it was yours. I was from. I was from Winnipeg, <laughs> and I, and I was living in London. Do you know how cold it is in? Winnipeg? <laughs> Do you know? <laughs> I've like... got no idea myself. Then. Let's let's get on. Um, so. so so I didn't have any money. But I was working in rep, so I would go out, do uh, eight weeks at Derby and come back and do eight okay, weeks at Northampton. No, so you North were stuck there all the time. No, yet. no, but, but I, I was there, you know, when I was not working... I didn't know what. Well, it's a long story, but I didn't know anybody when I first came to this country, and so I, and I didn't have that. You know, I still didn't know that many people. So it was. So basically, the, the first postcard uh, that I have in my hand here is this. Uh, I didn't realize it was by Lucian Freud. I'd never heard of Lucian Freud, uh, but it is by Lucian Freud, and it's. It says it's from the Walker Art Gallery in Liverpool, and it's called Interior near Paddington, and I think it's it's from 1951. I think it's actually quite famous, um, but I didn't realize it at the time, and it shows what appears to be a short little guy with glasses uh, smoking a cigarette which I used to do back then with his hand clenched in a fist mm. in a sort of a tatty room, because you can see the, the carpet is a bit sort of tatty, with a sort of dying houseplant. Um, it and, better days, and, it, yeah, and the city outside. Uh, and it reminded me of me. <laughs> so this is the second postcard with me. The, there's a theme no, emerging, emerging, emerging here. And um, But he's, he's ready for something as well, isn't he? He's, he's still on the edge of something? He's on the edge of something, yeah. yeah. He's, uh, it, it made me feel... It, it tapped into my feelings of both anger and loneliness, which was a thing that I felt a lot in the bed set because I really wanted a girlfriend. Right. <laughs> or any friend. A, po- but... a postcard is a poor substitute. <laughs> yes. So that was on my... But I... I my. I didn't have enough money to. I don't know where I got. The, I presumably I bought this postcard somewhere, but I I papered postcards all over the bed set. So I had, I had about hundred postcards, and they were all. At the time, I remember I was really into surrealism, and so there were a lot of Salvador Dali, um, and then there's the second one which I discovered. I I only kept these two, which was is a postcard of Michael Redgrave playing Hamlet at Stratford-upon-Avon in 1958. Uh, I mean, I bought it obviously in the late 70s. But you might have bought it in Stratford? Or? I probably did, because when I came here, I came here to do a five-week course, acting course, care of the Central School. And uh, so I was only supposed to be here for five weeks. And part oh, right. of the deal was that they bought you tickets for to Stratford, and you went out to Stratford, but in the, and then bought tickets to the West End and you know the National Theatre, which it was fairly new at that point. And in the midst of all that, I, I was dumped by my then-girlfriend, and I did an audition to try to get her back, just so I could talk to her, so she would talk to me. So how do you
0: do an audition to get your girlfriend back?
1: Well, I, I, there was a, a thing in the stage. Uh, I picked up a copy of the stage, the, mag, ma, the newspaper, yes. and there was an audition in it. And I thought, if I, if I call up—it was an open audition— Thought if I call up and get this audition, she will have to speak to me because she had stopped speaking to me. We hadn't had an argument or anything. She just dropped me. Oh, like one day she stopped. Because you speaking weren't to me. credible anymore. Is that? I don't know. I never job. I never found out. No, oh, I never found okay. out. And if you're I, listening. I <laughs> said, I said, I've got this <laughs> <It's too> audition, <laughs> and she was not interested. Oh, Okay, I and I then see,
0: she would just give you valid, validation or something. Or...
1: No, anyway, then yeah, I got, then work. I got, then I got the part. But I got the part. That's how come I'm here now. Uh. Uh, so we did go to Stratford, and I had to quit the course because I went into rehearsals for this job. Right, but I so I, I managed to get the postcard, and, <laughs> and he's looking very fragmented. This is tortured. This picture, yes, but again, I was I, it's something romantic about, you know, young tortured. I was a, you know, I was a tortured young.
0: Actor, and but it's, I mean, he's wearing what looks like a crumpled shirt, but he's he's got a crumpled face. Well, he's wearing well, one of those done. Jerry
1: Seinfeld, uh, you know, puffy <laughs> puffy yeah. shirts. It's a great picture. I think he's quite well known. The uh, Brian Neil. not sounds uh, familiar. Uh, I don't know the guy who wrote Quatermass's terms. That was, uh, uh, Nigel Neil was it? Uh, Quatermass, you mean? Quatermass. Oh uh, yes, okay. Yes, was that not, I think that yes. was his brother. Oh uh, okay, but I think and, he's still alive, and he's still. I think he's actually quite well known. Right. Anyway, I think it's. It reminds me of. Sort of romantically of that sort of time, which was full of, y- you know, yearning and excitement. And whenever I got a job, I would call home. I would say, "Mom, Dad," they say, Do "You know how cold <laughs> And I'd say, "I got another job. I got a job at Northampton Rep." Yeah. And there's when nope. does that stop? I've not really noticed <laughs> that stopping myself. No, anyway. it does stop. <laughs> to, to me now, you, you know, you so you get a job unless certain jobs excite yeah. you, and other jobs you think, "Well, how much does it pay?" Yeah, yeah, or or yeah. you know how, how you know? Can I get time off to do? You, of, you
2: you do a lot of short jobs as well, don't you? Sir? Yes, you're, you're the jobs that you come and you do, you go and you come to the next thing. You yeah. get a little short text message. Of, if I if I you know text you about something and you say I can't today. I'm I'm
1: playing a I'm playing a chicken. Yes, uh, <laughs> yes. or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. My, my my regular gig now is I'm playing a chicken in a video game, um, uh, and it's a big. It's the lead in the video game. my right? lead, yes. lead chicken. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah, very good.
0: Did, <laughs> did you ever do this thing of postcards sort of stuck on the wall with blue tack? Luke?
2: Yeah, I, I thought I, not so much postcards. I had um, when I was a, a teenager and at the second of my two boarding schools, I, w- I surrounded myself with pictures of film stars, um, posters and things like that. And rather like you, I think I didn't realise I wanted to be an actor quite yet, but I was certainly en- entertaining the notion of it. I had lots of, uh, you know, posters of Marlon Brando and James Dean and people like that, people I thought were cool, mm. you know. Um, and there, there was a
0: bit of a fashion for pictures of them in the 80s, wasn't there? Because they were sort of coming back via that fashion version. It was
2: the mm. Athena years. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Know? What mm. happened to Athena? But I remember having a, a James Dean uh, Athena poster. Uh, and around about the time I saw Rebel Without a Cause for the first time. And and, and some of the, the images were more interesting than the films. I mean, I had the, 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 po- the poster of, of Brando on the bike in the wild one. You know, have you seen the film of yeah, the Wild you know, One? I've Christ, never seen the it's, film. It's, the yeah, it's it's dope. It's it's appalling.
1: Terrible film, except for Lee Marvin. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's true. That's it, true. Yeah.
2: And and the great line, you know, what are you rebelling against, what do you got? But other than that, the it's the imagery that's important. Um and so that poster I can remember right now. Um but also I was I was at a boarding school where we had these little uh rooms to us to our own to ourselves, but they were they share the ceiling. They're little cubicles. So you could oh, okay. decorate them however you wanted them two and actually you would you would cover them in pictures um to try and make them homely very good
0: i was looking through a load of old postcards the other day not that, not that i owned but i was looking at
2: you know buying some
0: and i came across some of those athena ones mm. and it, it threw me straight back to the 80s I thought, are there no more athena shops because no they've gone they went 20 years ago yeah and that fashion for kids by young people buying these cards that were
1: Somehow expressive of what they wanted to be, or yeah. so the reflected that 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 doesn't happen now. Well, posters yeah. don't, I think, happen in that way, do they? I remember when I was a kid, I had a, uh, I had a poster of uh, Jane Fonda in my uh, my room, I, the room I shared with my brother. Yeah, Jane Fonda on on a beach, naked, with her legs crossed, completely. Good you mind. couldn't see any Good Lord. bits, but I did. I uh, Jane Fonda was my. I, whoa. <laughs> Whew, and but now nap- <laughs> <It's gone pretty laughs> yes, <worse. yeah>. yes, <laughs> but. But we had posters. I had a poster of, of Bobby Kennedy also and, you know, these sort of a- aspirational posters. Do, 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 you know, young people put up posters? Well, I was
2: going to say, has has the – and I hate the word, but I'm going to say it just for the purposes of the conversation – but has the selfie taken this over? If, if we no longer have images of other people by which to, to you know, show other people what what we think we are, if now you've got just – narcissists holding their phones in front of their faces and saying look this is me this is me that's that's taken over the yes or well, perhaps the image perhaps
0: um, Kim Kardashian is the equivalent of your poster but you don't need to have a printed poster no. because she's on your phone all the yeah. time yeah. Yeah. yeah doing lots of and endless new images of yeah. doing whatever she's doing yeah maybe that's it maybe it's maybe it's basically the printers are losing out all around you know the, the whole business of printing stuff has that's the, the paperless world
2: and I suppose you would no longer be, want to be identified um, by using an image from 30, 40 years ago of someone oh, else, no. you know, when you can do yourself on a phone.
0: Mm. Very interesting. Well, we'll see if the very print- printers out there who are suddenly found themselves short of work. Um, um, I, uh, you have my sympathies. Um, a quick extra card from me now. And this is one that I was thrilled when I found and have held on to uh, for this moment. Yeah, Because this is a card from 19... 19- 66, 19th of April. Don't, don't get too excited. It's not, it's not from Bob Dylan, don't but, <laughs> but, but, I, I know what he was playing. But it's it's from uh, someone called Trevor, and he's writing to his friend in, in Yorkshire, and he says, There's a picture, by the way, is of um, Monk Bar in York. Rather nice picture, actually. Mm, yeah. uh, Walter Scott is the publisher's, and they um, they did this uh, very sort of fine quality to the pictures, mm. a sort of detail on it is just different from it's not, it's not quite shiny. It's um, sort of matte. It's quite... The cars in it are they're
1: older oh, than 60. Yeah, well,
0: pictures always... They tend to always be... Yeah. Anyway, he says, Dear Mick, it's OK for Friday. Any time between about 10 and 11 will do. So that's a text message, isn't it, now? Yeah. And he says, If you want those singles, they're three bob each. So three shillings each, 15p. Subterranean Homesick Blues, Maggie's Farm... Oh! Like a rolling stone. I think his latest is great. It's called One of Us Must Know. Yeah. I've not got Bringing it, it All Back Home LP yet, but I am getting it on Sat.
2: See you on Friday, Trevor.
1: Oh, that's very oh, Thank you. <laughs> oh my God. Because of course, that's Blonde on fabulous. Blonde has
2: been recorded, but but we didn't see it in this country until the summer. Um, And we're in April. April. So, One of Us Must Know was put out as a single. Uh, Oh. Oh, my God, how exciting. But I, 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 listen, I
0: listen to your, your great podcast, and you, you've got this kind of diary in your head, Luke, of the dates of everything, yeah.
2: which is terrific. So I knew you'd be able to sort of jump yeah. in and work out what stage we were at. I have I a couple even, of friends I who think... insist I'm on the, on the autistic spectrum, but I think I just remember dates, you know, that aren't, in, aren't important. Right. <laughs> um, I can't remember anything that's actually important. I think he spells
1: subterranean correctly, which is very impressive. Yes, yeah, so that I, is very impressive. I important. can barely spell it. Yeah. But also, you know, it's only 66, and he's getting rid of these no, I think he's saying he's seen them in a shop. Oh I
0: see. Oh I see. I, I think thought he was going to sell them to you, No, right. I think stuff was so s- not scarce, but yeah. things were so much less yeah. easy to get hold of that he'd spotted them. From yeah. where's he writing from? He's in York.
1: Yeah, you'd buy Yeah, the, he's in, the, he's in, in the York in the city. Store
0: and, mm. and his friend is out in a village in
2: Yorkshire. Mm. Yeah.
0: So I suspect he's, he's can, he can get hold of them in the local record
2: shop. Well, one of our podcasts Guests, Michael Gray I know spent some time in York in in his childhood and he said that it was incredibly hard to get hold of these records you know you'd, you'd go into there wasn't a record shop there was an electrical yeah, shop yeah, or something yeah. in the basement that, that sometimes sold records and if you know the record was famous they'd sold out of it and otherwise they had not heard of it <laughs> right you've got a double buy. So, so presumably your friend is, is saying no, they've got them they're there yeah. Yeah. They're you know that's quite a big
1: end- deal I think Billy Bragg said the same he thing, did didn't he, he did, had yeah. to go to some other shop that had records under the counter yeah, yeah. yes yeah
0: yeah. You, you used to have to work hard, didn't you, for stuff? And and it's, music is just everywhere now. It's so easy. It's amazing. I know. Yeah. It's,
1: it's, I, when you said Mick, I thought, ooh, you know, Keith. Um, <laughs> but that's how Mick and Keith met, wasn't it? That they both had uh, LPs under their, yeah, their yeah, arms. Yeah, and yeah, they, yeah. One had Howl and Wolf, and I can't remember. Who it was, it
2: was, was Rocking at the Hops by Chuck Berry and the Best of Muddy Waters. Uh, oh, okay, Muddy uh, Waters, yeah, that yeah. sound correct. Well, actually, I enjoyed <laughs> on your podcast without talking too much
0: about other podcasts. But um, when you had Kenneth Cranham mm. talking about the record shops in Streatham, just, yeah. just up from my I uh-huh. and that was fascinating that uh, you know, up and down Streatham High Road was kind of this, this, this was like uh, uh, an outlet for this music from the Mississippi Delta yeah. it was amazing yeah. really. and know, people used to believe. come
1: over to his house yeah. to listen to the, rec- the yeah. records because you couldn't hear them anywhere else yeah. Yeah. and I
0: suppose th- 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 the other thing about this particularly with the Bob Dylan thing people don't associate now I suspect him as a singles artist they mm. think of the album and yeah. the album, which album? And it took a lot on your show. People say, like, Which is the great album? Well, they're talking about buying three separate singles there and you know, do you like this one, do you like that one?
2: So yeah. I, think I wonder it's... if Trevor knew that he'd already heard two of the songs from Bringing It All Back Home just <laughs> by you <laughs> these singles. I don't know. Yeah. But in fact, I mean often singles weren't on
0: albums in those no. days. They were, no. you know, the famously with the Beatles and yeah. so on. Frequently they weren't. Well there you are. A little yeah, bit of, a little fair. bit of Bob Dylan oh, sneaks its way into Podcasts from the Past. Quite right too.
1: Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss.
0: You're listening to Podcast from the Past, the postcard podcast, and I'm thrilled to say that my guests today um, have already spent a lot of time in my headphones. Um, They are the hosts of the brilliant Is It Rolling Bob podcast, uh, Kerry Shale and Lucas Hare. Luke, you've now got some cards from your childhood, I think.
2: Yeah. I mean, to backtrack a little, you've done something here to me. Um, When I knew I was coming on this podcast, I knew that I had some postcards knocking around and some letters and I hadn't seen them certainly since we moved into where I, where I live now 15 years ago. And I have a feeling that they'd been in a box for about nine years before that. Wow. And I was going to find them this Sunday. I thought, I've got one Sunday to find them. I'm going to find them. And, of course, they were at the bottom of the last box I've, I looked in. But so they were there. Yeah, I found them, and then some. I found a decade of letters that I wrote to my parents from boarding school from 1979 to 1989. And got a bit you know teary frankly it was all a bit much and i found one that that's not not a letter it's a it's on a postcard so i thought well i can bring this in That counts. and as with many of them there are lots of things other than the content of of the postcard that are interesting for example my first letter to my mum from boarding school when i was seven i was i spent a good 10 minutes just looking at the way she'd ripped the envelope open it would been it's been ripped open at the end not at the top
1: it was you the are first not yeah
2: yeah you know it, it all became very interesting but this one is a, a postcard of Salkham in devon i think i might have been there with my dad but he had definitely been there and he'd bought a postcard for me to write to him from school oh, so he'd prepped it for you is that he right? prepped it he'd, he's written his and my mum's address in it in his writing that's when they were still married which they wouldn't be for much longer he probably put a stamp on it too, 12p, and the, and the stamp says, be properly addressed, postcode it. <laughs> this is from the 17th of October. I love those
0: funny uh, postmarks. I know,
2: 1980 uh, this is from, so this is what this one they used to do things like that. And it says, in quite good writing, I have to say, so I would have been eight. Dear Mummy and Daddy, thank you for my letters. I came fourth in first orders, and I'm third place in form, capital F. I got your letter this morning. Lots of love, Luke, and that's it. Um, and I was texting my brothers, mean? and we were saying, "What? What were orders?" And we I guess all we talk about in our bloody letters is where we came in orders. And I think it was just <laughs> like a know, ranking the, of... the ranking in the in the class of, of these very small children, you know, obsessed with <laughs> doing. But well, they really. it into you that it matters. So yeah, I guess you've... I guess that must have have been the thing. And. Yeah, because even five, ten years later, I'm still writing about exam results and didn't I do well in this. And, uh, and actually, this is quite rare. In the, This is a letter that doesn't demand that I, one of them record something off the television for me. <laughs> for the entire 1980s, a, a decade for which I have no real fondness, um, you know, I, I was obsessed with asking them to record Black Adder or uh, the rock and roll years. Do you remember uh, that? Yes,
0: yes. little weird modern videos. For... Yeah. Well, I, I, you know, I wanted them all.
2: So, you know, and then I think my mum wrote to me and said, I'm so sorry, I, 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 it, was, it was 1962 and I missed it. And I was apoplectic. But <laughs> they're just so demanding I, I didn't have you as a completist at all. Though. Oh, God, I <laughs> even then, even then. Um, but I loved finding all these letters because they are... I, I mean, A, I didn't know I had them. And I said to my son, you know, I, I've just found this letter that I wrote when I was seven that I've never seen before. And he went, well... Obviously you have, Dad, because you wrote it. And I thought, you know, that's, you know the mm. fact is I haven't seen it for 40 years and I didn't realise it existed. Um, and also, as the
0: correspondent, as the, as the person who wrote it, yeah.
2: you lived with that postcard for a very
0: short time because yeah. yeah. it wasn't stuck on your fridge. You no. sent it away. Well, you, your parents fridge. But you, you, yeah. you, you just wrote it. You gathered your thoughts together, briefly wrote it, and it was gone. So you had a lesser relationship with it than the recipient, I think.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, my dad would have spent time buying it and then... They would have kept it once they received it and yeah, it was and it was mine very briefly it with in daughter, the middle, yeah, yeah. <laughs> with its with its weird bleached colors and uh, you know i mean you said this on your on your podcast before that i mean this is 1980 but the postcard looks like it could be any point in the, the 20 years before that i know I maybe know. even
0: 30. well I mean, obviously obviously the picture is always taken before it's printed that makes yes. sense can't be yes. late but no th- there's a lag that i think it's one reason people think of postcards as nostalgic is that the pictures are old anyway
2: Yes, and they, they, they look antiquated before you even send them. Yeah, yeah. Um, and whether it's anything to do with Photo Precision Limited in St. Ives in Huntingdon, I have no Excellent. idea. Excellent. One of my favourite companies. They're,
0: very, they're no longer in
2: business. Then. <laughs> yeah. Very, and, and is there's another one of these? There is another one, and this is, this is uh, fast-forwarding a bit. Um, this is to December 1996. Um, my mum died that year, uh, very young, and I... You know, took some time with that as they say and, and was at home for, for a while and then I was an actor at that point, I'd been an actor for a couple of years so I, I felt that I had to kind of get on with things and this job came up that was more than just a bit of occupation, it was a an international tour of the Tempest with a company called Shared Experience and we went to various places we were in Japan for three weeks and Korea for two So this letter is to my dad just before I'm about to come home for Christmas, what would actually be my first Christmas without my mum. So that was kind of creeping up on us. And it's from Seoul, and it says, Dear Dad, this is more or less the view from my hotel room in Seoul. I've been here a couple of days, although we haven't seen the theatre yet. It's very different to Japan, but once I'd got used to filthy streets and noisy traffic again, I was fine. Japan was wonderful, especially Tokyo and Yokohama. Whilst in Yokohama, I went on the largest big wheel in the world and was a lot less scared than certain hysterical members of the company. Mm. (laughs) Some of whom I'm still in touch with. Um, I hope Sam and Ferg, that's my brothers, have kept you up to date from the letters they've received, and I hope you got my last postcard. Everything okay on the home front? I'm really looking forward to seeing you all and spending Christmas in Suffolk. You're right. Living out of hotel rooms and a battered suitcase is beginning to take its toll. I'm quite ready to come home, or will be in ten days. Longing to see you. Lots of love, Luke. Oh, that's really good. Yeah, it was It was a funny old time, as I say, because I had this, this awful emotional loss, and then I went straight into... Not only work, but traveling. I'd never traveled that far in my life before. I'd never I'd, and I'd certainly never traveled, you know, for ten hours and then had a day off and had to do Shakespeare with jet lag. And that was interesting. Um, and by the time we got to two weeks in Seoul, most of the company were just going, you know what, I want to go home now. I'm okay. exhausted. Um, and you start to see the kind of not to bring up Bob Dylan again, but you start to sort of see the the exhaustion in people people's faces when they are touring musicians or the touring actors and you just think they've had enough now. But I get the impression you're not a, you're not really a, a huge traveller because I've you've read
0: what four cards and two of them you're saying you can't wait to get home.
2: <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yes, that's true. That's true. But um you know it's what is it? It's very nice to go traveling but it's so so nice to whatever.
0: Yeah. Um But you don't say this is great, I could live here or
2: No It's not for you. You're right, I don't. And and yet I wonder why that is, because I'm not particularly, I think I'm attached to the idea of home, but right. but I'm not patriotic. I oh, don't like have a any home, sense of pride. Have to be patriotism, does it? No, but I, I don't. have got to live somewhere. Whenever I come back to England now, I just think, oh, <laughs> fucking hell. But when you come back to your
0: home, behind the oh, yeah home's door, different. you must home's be pleased, different. You know. but
2: you But, but like so, anyway. baggage reclaim at Heathrow yeah. when nothing works. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Sh- no, Heathrow's a good one as well. <laughs> yeah, that's us <laughs>
2: Try Luton. No, no, no. No, no, don't say the L word. No. <laughs> well,
0: I think that's a really, I think that's a very articulate card as well because, I mean, you gave us the sort of background to it, but it's all there. Yeah. You've got, all the stuff about what's going on professionally, mm. a little bit of tourist detail, mm-hmm. a real, you know, heartfelt concern for the family, and mm. I think it's really just a really. That's, that shows what postcards are good at, I think, that card. I think it's really good.
2: Yeah, and I'm thinking about all sorts of things now that I'd forgotten, like, how lovely the company were to me. You know, I turned 25 out there, and it was my first birthday without my mum, and they took me out, and they showed me a good time, and it was really Brilliant. a really wonderful time and a really wonderful bunch of people, yeah. It
0: was the right thing to do then anyway. Then.
2: I think so, yeah. yeah. Very good, very good.
0: Now, Kerry, mm. we've got a funny old man here... <laughs> <laughs> Are you calling me a funny old man? Not so much no. of the funny. No, tell me, uh, tell me what you got here.
1: No, this, I, I recognise this artist. It's this is uh, Robert a postcard of uh, Mister Natural, who is one of the uh, characters, main characters, drawn by the artist Robert Crumb, who is of one of my heroes. Uh, I put him up there with Bob Dylan and really, yeah, the the, the greats. Um, and I, I was just um, thinking about well, I've got I realised I actually have three. Pictures of Robert of uh, Mr. Natural up in my office, oh, Na- right. and then I've got one on the door where he's sort of singing uh, "Keep Your Sunny Side Up," right. and I've uh, got another one. He's he's been doing Mr. Natural for his. I think Robert Crumb now is probably about uh, late seventies, maybe even pushing eight. Yeah, anyway. Thought he might be older. And uh, I first saw him when he did. Uh, rather, I first saw his work in uh, Zap Comics when I was a kid. I when I was a kid when I was when I left winnipeg i went down to i hitchhiked down to california and then i was living down in berkeley and it was around that time when robert crumb's comics would be on everybody's floor after you had a joint you would sort of start leafing around and finding zap comics and whatever and then he was on the cover he did the cover of cheap thrills the uh, big brother and the of holding company course.
0: he was sort of one of the visual icons of the counterculture yes wasn't he, he really?
1: absolutely was and funnily enough he of course he was never a hippie Uh, Ever, Uh, uh, he did do, but he did do LSD quite a few times, which is what unlocked the this vision of things like Mr. Natural, who is basically this old, bald. White hair, a long uh, with a long beard, uh, sort of, kind of, he's a holy man and a fool and a sex maniac, basically. Right. <laughs> and <laughs> you're uh, talking
0: about Mr. Natural, yeah, not um, Robert um, Crumb.
1: Well, both, no, uh, both. You uh, see, he was. This stuff is very autobiographical. So the the card that I've got just has a picture of Mr. Natural sitting in a chair with these uh, sort of weird musical notes coming out of his head because he's very into music, old time music, like nothing past 1929, I shouldn't think. And these musical notes, I was just looking at for the first time, they're actually, there's one real musical note, and the other two are made up. They just right. kind of look like <laughs> musical notes. And anyway, so I've just been a huge fan of, uh, of Robert Crumb's, because he, he did a series of comics, like I've got, I'm not a collector, but I have pretty much everything Robert Crumb has ever done in the original, oh, uh, really? com, you know, comic book form. And there's one he did called Id Comics, oh, yeah, really and definitely. they are the scariest things you've ever seen because he just wrote stuff that came right out of his you know, uh, kind of animal brain anyway, so I'm I'm I just, I love him, so that's I brought that in just because it's very important to me but then I also, as I was going through uh, albums and things, I discovered that I had a postcard of another Robert Crumb thing that I'd, I'd put in an album because I used to have a radio show uh, on, a, on a primitive uh, digital network called One Word Radio. And this was, I guess, well, no, I, I found, I looked it up. It was in 2000. It was around 2002. It ran for three years. Oh, right. That was a long time. Uh, yeah. And I had a, it was, uh, it was once, well oh God, I can't remember how often. I, and basically, it was before um, you could look stuff up On the interweb easily, so I would bring in my own CDs and I'd make a playlist each week, and it would have a theme. And so I had uh, the dog listy, the cat listy, all all the various listies. This sounds this sounds familiar. uh, Yes, exactly. Well, Bob Dylan did it about uh, five years later. My wife was outraged. She said, "How dare Bob Dylan?" I said, "Well, they're just lists. I mean, you know, I probably (laughs) don't sue him. Don't (laughs) sue him. (laughs) No." I ended up doing, they, they, they changed the time slot. It was a bit like podcasting because I thought, nobody's ever going to hear this. Actually, it was so small, you know, it was so esoteric uh, that I, I could say anything I wanted and play anything I wanted. Wow, what freedom. Uh, it was, except towards the end they were trying to get more commercial. And I had gotten, like, Show 48 was the Jesus listy. Okay. and uh, I decided the, I'd just take you know various things and they were all from my CD collection I, so I knew each song really, and I would talk I had a script I would actually read from the script because I knew what I I wanted to say things and with Jesus Listy, they said we told you it's going out at 4:30 in the afternoon now because it used to go out at like 10 okay. o'clock, uh, 11 o'clock at night. As you can see, it's on oh, yeah, the car, yeah. 11 p.m. PM yeah. But then they they and started putting it out at 4:30, and but I didn't take any notice of that. Ah. And uh, anyway, it was a it was a good time. While but you can have night. Jesus any time of the day, can not you? Is it, or were you saying oh, something that would I could cause saying, a little bit of I wasn't the, anything anti Jesus, but I was doing things like a uh, Tom Waits does um, uh, a, a song. Uh, what did he? He's got a. He's got a Jesus song, which okay. is yeah. uh, somewhat. And then I think I did flesh color. What is Bob Dylan's uh, "Flesh Color"? Christ, Christ, the, the glow in the yeah. dark. Yeah. And you know, thing. You know, I wanted to be a little edgy yeah. with yeah. Jesus. Personal
2: Jesus, Jesus doesn't want me for yes. In even, fact, like,
1: I did. I think I did uh, your own personal Jesus. Yeah. And uh, anyway, that got, got me a bit of trouble. But uh, but this brings back. Um, uh, memories, because I I changed uh, a Robert Crumb cartoon into this postcard, and I uh, he's it's it's a crazed uh, person who's going heh. heh and, and he's and, writing he's, a, he's writing. He's, so he's, uh, he's... this is the original bit of, of Robert Crumb, and I ch- I I tip X out the, what he was. Uh, writing and I put Jimi Hendrix. This It's Bob become your
0: playlist, is not it?
1: Yes, exactly. Uh, Lucinda Williams, Howland Wolf, Jonathan Richman, who uh, I can never convince anybody <laughs> to, to like. But um, yeah, so that that was uh, it. Was a it was quite a. So you briefly
0: inhabited time. that Robert Crumb world via that. Uh, well, flyer.
1: I, yes. Well, I also tried one time. I played Robert Crumb on the radio. I was because I was always ranting about Robert Crumb to people, and this uh, BBC radio guy said, uh, "We're doing a little thing about Robert Crumb. This is." A about 25 years ago, would you like to choose a very short Robert Crumb cartoon and 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 dramatize it and oh, play oh, Robert Crumb? Uh, and so I did, which was which was thrilling. And then I met his agent at, at at a book signing, and I tried to get him to do a poster for one of my one-man oh, shows. And yeah, yeah. um, they said, No, sorry, he's too busy. But uh, but I did sort of correspond with the with Robert Crumb's agent, which was somewhat thrilling and i talked to there was gilbert shelton who did fat freddy's yeah, cat yes. who was a contemporary and I, I went and got i went to a thing that he did and i we, i talked with <laughs> him about robert crumb but I, i've seen robert Crum perform and uh, he's a he's a very gregarious guy he came here just a few months ago and he did a concert at the place called the troxy in the east end oh yeah and he he came with Terry Zwigoff, the film director, who made the film, who about made him. the film yeah, about yeah, him, that, and they're yeah. still friends, and they still are sort of very kind of enthusiastic, kind of rudimentary musicians. Right. Uh, Trump Crum uh, plays the banjo, and uh, Zwigoff, I think, plays the uh, another uh, stringed instrument. And but they brought in a couple of really shit hot jazz uh, sort of. Uh, Sort of nineteen twenties jazz musicians from the states who who flew over to be basically, and they were just in awe of them and sort of trying to keep time. And then Robert Crumb was interviewed. He's really a uh, he's a very cranky, eccentric. He did a magazine called Weirdo as well, which I have all the episodes (laughs) of. Anyway, he's the sort of patron saint of of weirdos, and he's a very honest guy. Sort of in a way, the opposite of. Dylan, in some ways, because his stuff is so autobiographical, and right. he doesn't disguise it. Anyway, I, I can go on about him. And
0: you've and you've stuck with him.
1: Yes, I have, because and he's gone through all sorts of stuff. Because you know, he had a, he got married and he had a kid, and then he, he moved from California to the south of France. I know all this because I read his stuff. And the last thing he's pretty much I don't don't think he's doing uh, too much new stuff now. But the last thing he did was the uh, book of what uh, Genesis. Oh, right. And he did every the word. The Bible, not the book group. Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes, yes, he did the. You can, you can find it in the remainder bin, the, uh, the original book of Genesis. Uh, but he, he. So he illustrated the first chapter. I'm not very big on the Bible, but it's right. it's every word of it. Oh, wow. Uh, he just as a challenge. And they said, what are you going to do next? He said, I thought I might try the Quran. No. Oh, He's well. that sort of guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yep. Well, we'll expect to see him in the papers then. Yes, yes. yes.
0: Very good. Well, look. Um, My head is spinning from these cards and images and memories. And um, thank you both so much, uh, Luke and Kerry. Uh, I'm thrilled that you've shared these cards with me and with the listeners. Um, Another quick reminder for everyone at home, we're going to have images of all these cards, um, the the pictures from them, uh, on the blog, postcardfromthepast.co.uk, so you can see that we haven't made it up. They're all real, and you can experience a little bit of it yourself, Um, including one last one in the past postcard style from me. Um, This is Loch Ness, there you go. Um, it's a uh, J. Arthur Dixon card. They used to have this sort of... Um, I, I can't describe it. It's a sort of faded kind of photographic treatment. Yeah. Um, very pretty. Uh, and the card is from 1963, and it's sent to Rickmansworth in Hertfordshire from someone called Christine. And um, it, it, it's a kind of... It's like a curse, really, I think, or a, a kind of threat. It says, I must bring my projector over... <laughs> <laughs> and show you some of the places we visited.
1: Oh.
0: Imagine getting that through that,
1: oh. yeah. that's the Phone we, off the hook. <laughs> is that it?
0: No, is no, it's the, a little bit more than that. But more that's more the bit I chose that's as, scary. The, as the curse.
2: <laughs> yeah, that, because people used to do that with their holiday snaps, didn't they? They say, I must show you my photographs. And you think, oh... God, how long is this going to take? And yeah. a projector. Well, projector kind of takes it to the oh, serious yeah. level. Oh, yeah. That's we're going to have a meal, and then we sit down, and we, we you will watch my There is hours. no escape. Well, it's going to
0: be painful even before you see the pictures. Oh, yeah. The whole business of the projector. Just, yes. And your heart. Your can you, heart, can you yes. see
2: that all right? So it's, Is it working on the screen? I yeah. oh, Have another uh, drink.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. This is us. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway, well, before we let uh, Kerry and Luke out to take some refreshment at Sansom's Diner, I've got just one more postcard for you both to have a look at. Mm. Um, it is customary for us to end sound effects on this one uh, with one of these. So that's what for you to look at.
1: Wow. Ooh. Is that a, uh, yes, It's a playable postcard, is
0: it? It's a record postcard, yes, exactly right. So perhaps you could describe it for me
1: well it looks
2: like uh, the interior of a, c- a church or a cathedral um and it's basically a paper 45 single but uh expanded into a rectangle so there's a hole in the middle and if you hold it up to the light you can see a single uh you can see the grooves on the mm. on the what's not what's the opposite of the play out groove the play in groove i don't know um you can see those grooves but the rest is a bit a bit more textured it doesn't look like a it's well, a bit 3D, isn't it? Yeah, it's very, very strange.
0: Well, I think, I mean, it is a record and it is, there is just enough groove in there. But if we ask young Tom nicely, um, he might be able to put it on the record player next door Ooh. and we can see if we can get something from it. Oh, yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's, this is bark, isn't it? Mm. Postcards Warp. I guess. Yeah, it's, um, it's not 180 gram. No, but it's <laughs> fascinating. It sounds a bit like a marching
2: army in the background. So it, it
1: does, yeah. coom,
2: coom. I'm just
1: envisaging Eric von Stroheim in Sunset Boulevard, <laughs> you know. I'm envisaging uh, the late Ch- Terry Jones in marching by. Oh, well, oh,
0: absolutely, yes, with it playing, yeah. playing the organ naked. Yes. Well, I, maybe this should be our tribute to Terry Jones. Oh, absolutely. Go. Well, as the nave of the Cathedral Saint-Pierre continues to rotate at 78 RPM, that's it for this time on Podcasts from the Past, I'd very much like to thank my first-class guests for sharing the postcards from their pasts, Kerry Shale and Lucas Hare. Thank you both. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for listening. Bye for now. You can see more postcards with their messages posted every day on Twitter. Do follow me, at Past Postcard. And you can buy the book, Postcard from the Past, by me, Tom Jackson, at Amazon and all good booksellers. And if you're looking for podcast production, check out wardorstudios.co.uk.